climate change, poverty, mental health, young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn, and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs, and I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world and how educators are utilizing the power of service learning to redesign education. Today's show, I'm joined by Reshna Shah. She's an economics major at Dartmouth College and the founder of YouthQuake. Reshna is working with Chicago area youth, which is her hometown, to solve local social problems. Um, They're creating and implementing cross-partisan policy plans. So young people in this program are engaging in action civics, which we also lovingly call service learning. And that unites students who share a common passion for change, but have different political views. And I think we can all agree that building bridges between those with differing viewpoints is not only important for our future, but important for our country and our democracy. So YouthQuake is this amazing um, organization and a great name. So I read that this name means a shift in cultural norms influenced by values, tastes, and mores of young people. So to me, that speaks truly to the heart of service learning, right? We want young people to value caring, contribution, community, and participation. So YouthQuake and service learning just go hand in hand. They could be one and the same. But before I head down the road of YouthQuake and, um, and that work, um, and we start to dig in, I, I would love to learn more about you, Reshna. Um, would you introduce our, yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit more about what you do when you're not working on YouthQuake? Yes, thank you, Amy. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachna, and I'm currently a college senior at Dartmouth studying economics with a focus in health and education, though I will be graduating this weekend. Um, During college, I've pursued internships across a lot of different industries, including a public health organization and education nonprofit that works with teacher leadership, and then also consulting internships in healthcare, retail, and technology. And starting this fall, um, I'll be working in consulting back home in Chicago. Outside of my classes and internships, I've been involved with Young Jains of America, which is a youth cultural and religious organization, and I've been working with their Reflect team, which is an online discussion community. I've also been involved more recently with Give Essential, which is a COVID-19 nonprofit that was started by a group of my classmates that pairs donors with extra items directly with essential workers who need these items. And in my free time, I really love running and trying to hike and then creative writing. That's amazing. Congratulations on graduation. We're all giving you a standing ovation. That is so um, such an amazing accomplishment and something that definitely deserves to be celebrated. Um, I'm really curious. So you're going to be doing consulting now that you're, you know, a graduate. Um, What kind of consulting are you doing? Yes, I'll be doing management consulting. So it'll be across all different sorts of industries. That's 
fascinating. So that's um, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I'm wondering, um, did you always have a passion for service or how did this, um, this, uh, what inspired you for this? Yeah, so my mom's a teacher and my sister works in medicine. So from a young age, I was really raised in this family that really valued service and giving back to the community, especially the community that you've been raised in that's given so much support and encouragement to you across the years. So starting in high school, um, I started volunteering. I got involved with different types of service activities like peer tutoring for French and economics classes and also volunteering at a local nursing home. But it wasn't until I really got involved with Youthquake that I found my passion around service learning in particular related to service. That's exciting. So like what kind of need did you see um, that inspired you to create Youthquake? Like what, what was the spark for that? Yes. So growing up, there weren't that many structured pathways I found to get involved with civics. And I thought until I was 18 that there wasn't really anything that I could do to get involved with politics. And I attended this political summer camp my junior year. And from this experience, I really learned that my voice could matter and that the diversity of my peers' voices made us a lot stronger. So Illinois, my home state, has significant differences across political affiliations or urban-rural divides and then more differences, as I'm sure as do many states in the U.S. And with Youthquake, I really saw this need to create a youth-led space for dialogue and action on these important but politically controversial topics that purposely engaged with the differences in our states. Can you talk a little bit more um, about the youth-led space? Um, what that what that means for folks who might not know what that means? Yes, definitely. So when, when I say youth-led space, I mean a space that allows for a discussion by youth. That's also a discussion between youth. That's also created by youth. So rather than having spaces that might be in classrooms or um, places that have been created by um, non-youth-driven organizations having spaces that are created by youth for the youth in them, really attuned to what their needs are and also really responsive to what the changing movements and trends are. Wonderful. Thank you for, for defining that for folks, because I think we often think we have, we have, we all have a preconceived notion of what that means, but I think it's important to hear from young people what that means to them. Um, I'm really fascinated by a political summer camp um, NYLC has done youth leadership camps, and so I'm very familiar with what we do. But what does a political summer camp look like? I'm curious, like, <laughs> if that was kind of that spark and you saw the need arise out of that, like, what, um, what did you do at summer camp? Yeah, so I might have misworded that. It might not be a political summer camp in the traditional sense of um, maybe bringing students together to discuss politics, but it was a program called Yale Young Global Scholars, and it was about politics, law, and economics. And really, it brought together this really diverse group of students around, I think, 200 or 300 of us from across the world to spend two weeks together and to discuss different issues in our seminars. And these are really issues that I had never learned before 
just opened me up to a lot of new perspectives, both in these more formal seminars, but also in casual conversations that I had with my classmates. And it really opened me up to the possibility that within my hometown community, I was sort of living in this echo chamber of beliefs of topics that people talked about. And I really wanted to have a similar type of environment where people could discuss all sorts of topics and really engage with their differences and potentially create a similar space back home. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's important, um, especially as we're looking at um, summer activities and an investment in what um, provides these type of opportunities for young people, that these truly are the sparks that can create, you know, where it's a stepping stone for people like yourself to, to come out and create something remarkable. Um, so I think you've touched on this a little bit, but why, why are you passionate about this, this topic around partisanship and how has it affected the communities that you've been part of in Chicago or even on your college campus? Yes, so partisanship is an issue that I'm really passionate about, both because, as you mentioned, how I've seen it affecting the communities I've been a part in Chicago, but also more broadly on social media and in conversations I've had about political issues in college. So I was raised, um, born and raised in Chicago suburbs, and while the city of Chicago is pretty liberal, I feel as though the surrounding suburbs can tend to lean conservative or have a mix of liberal and conservative views uh, represented by residents. And I think that that environment, but then also the fact that there is this idea that everyone views the world through this very unique frame of view. Um, So we we interpret the same information we receive, whether it's statistics or pictures differently. And there's so many larger factors like shift in population distributions and politically biased um, social media feeds and economic inequality. And all those factors are really contributing to a more polarized society. So I think the combination of that environment I was raised in, but then also all these factors I've seen that have continued to grow um, as I've been growing up as well, that have really made me passionate about addressing partisanship. Um, is something that's really important to me. And I think also partisanship really makes us distrust each other. It makes us not want to be neighbors and friends with each other. And it really makes us feel like the other side or someone who politically disagrees with us is our enemy. And it's a growing problem I've been seeing and something that I wanted to address. Well, and I I think with all of um, everything that's happened in our country, um, especially over the last couple of years and the the deep divides that we see, um, you know, we've had young people on the show who are addressing hunger and um, education equity and peace building and a lot of really important topics, right? But if we don't have the tools and the, I guess, knowledge to bring people with different viewpoints together, we won't be able to make impacts on these like global issues that are affecting us all. So um, I am just inspired by your passion around um, bridging the divide um, between these, these differing viewpoints and bringing people together to have effective conversations. Um, I just really, you know, it's, it's an issue that we, we recognize and yet, it's almost like it's it's something that where it's just supposed to be, and so to have to have someone, a young person, young people addressing it um, is very exciting. So um, I'm excited to learn more. 
But before we dig in a little deeper um, and and talk more about the Youth Quake program and what that is, we are going to take a brief break. And then when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Roshan Shah. So you can stay with us on the power of young people to change the world, Voice American Parliament Radio. And remember, you can always download the podcast on any of your favorite um, podcast uh, apps like iTunes or Spotify or iHeart, any of those, or find us um, on on our homepage at the Voice America Empowerment Radio. So stay with us. We're going to take a brief break, and then we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual Spring National Service Learning Conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit NYLC.org. Now back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. If you're just joining us, um, I'm here today with the founder of YouthQuake, Reshma Shah, and we're talking about how YouthQuake is bridging the divides with um, people with different political viewpoints. So Reshma, can you talk to us about how YouthQuake began? You know, what made you go uh, take this passion you had for civic engagement um, in this direction? Yes, I'd love to. So YouthQuake was really built around this idea of uniting students from the suburbs and the cities in Chicago and bringing these students together to work on issues that affected all of them and then issues that also all of them cared about. 
And I wanted to focus civic engagement and distraction because I felt like there were a lot of existing programs in civics that already target areas such as getting students involved in their communities more broadly, but there weren't that many bridging programs that brought students together from across different lines of difference, like their political affiliations and their geography. So my freshman year of college, I applied for a grant through the Davis Project for Peace Foundation, which supports and encourages youth to create and test their ideas for building peace. And there's this quote that they have from Catherine Davis, who is the philanthropist behind the foundation, that says that my challenge to you is to bring about a mindset of preparing for peace instead of preparing for war. So this is really my goal with this program. And with this grant, I built out a five-day program pilot for Youthquake with a group of students in Chicago. And that's where it all started. It's amazing. Could you say that quote just one more time for me? Sure. I really love this quote. Um, so my challenge to you is to bring about a mindset of preparing for peace instead of preparing for war. That is beautiful. Um, I love that quote. And it just... Um, yeah, it speaks so much to to the work that we do as an organization and obviously for the heart of why you found, um, founded Youthquake. Um, can you talk to us about Youthquake's programming? Kind of what type of content do you normally have in your lesson plans? What, is, what did that look like with your students? Yes, so Youthquake is made up of these five modules for our programming, and each of these modules breaks down into four to six lesson plans, which range from about 45 to 55 minutes, so the typical length of a class period. And I can go into more detail about these five modules. So the first module is really about foundation. So students are really trying to understand what their personal beliefs and values are and how these connect to political beliefs. I think a lot of times, especially when you're in elementary school or middle school, it's pretty difficult to understand what your political affiliations are. Mm -hmm. So by starting with political values, which are and just values in general, which are more easily identifiable, we really hope to make this connection between values and then political stances. And I think also that connection from values to political stances makes it easier to talk to someone to really understand where they're coming from and what an issue and their stance on the issue means to them. And the second part is to first to work on identifying issues that students care about. So they work on mapping issues of interest in small groups, and they discuss their existing opinions on the subject and go through these exercises to really understand why the problem exists. And they do this not only through looking at news sources, but also a lot of community engagement. So trying to understand all the diverse perspectives that exist on the issue, rather than only maybe the a few perspectives that are um, portrayed by the media. And then the third part is about really understanding how local public policy works. Um, I think a lot of times in curriculums, there's a lot of focus on national policy making, which is really important for students to learn about. But for the purpose of making local impact, um, really understanding how policy making works in your city or in your town. And then the fourth part is about building and these different policy plans that uh, correspond with liberal, centrist, and conservative proposals, and then negotiating amongst students and community members to decide what their final proposal is. And then in the fifth part, it really goes to taking and sustaining actions on these policy plans. And within each lesson plan, the content varies a lot, but I really am, have the goal of trying to make it as student-driven as possible. We really want students to be the one driving the research they're doing, which areas of a problem they're exploring, and then also having a lot of discussions and negotiations, more like a, cl a flipped classroom learning model. And I also try to make community engagement a really large part of the program. So, for example, we bring in guest speakers to talk with students to give them more perspectives on the issues. 
So you um, you mentioned flipped classroom. So for those who don't know, can you describe what a flipped classroom is? Yes. Yeah, so um, hopefully I do a good job of describing what this is. But a flipped classroom is the idea that in a typical classroom model, the teacher is lecturing to students and providing them with information. And in a flipped classroom model, you might have those lectures and the teacher providing information ahead of time. So students might read the textbook ahead of time or watch lecture pre-recorded videos. And then when they come to class, they work on problems that's they work on the questions and they um, they ask teachers the questions that they have from the material they've already watched. So it can be more engaging, more personalized to what students are finding interesting and what they're having trouble with. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also curious. Um, so you talked a little bit a couple of times now about social media and its influence. And I'm wondering, do you have spe- do you um, specifically investigate social media and its influence within the political environment as part of the lessons? Yes, that's a really great question. So we do. We do have one section of the program that focuses on filter bubbles, which is the idea that when you look on your social media feed, um, algorithms are giving you information that you agree with, and they're not giving you information that you disagree with. So you're going to be seeing the same types of accounts in your feeds, the same types of posts in your feeds. And in this lesson plan, we really talk about what these filter bubbles are and ways that students can overcome and exit and sort of pop out of these filter bubbles on social media. But we're definitely looking to incorporate more content on social media into our lessons, understanding that that's a lot of um, the way that students and people in general are getting information on current events nowadays. Yeah, I think we all need to have that lesson from you. <laughs> when your social media feed just reinforces your your um, current beliefs and doesn't give you different perspectives, it's an issue. And we should all recognize that and know that. So um, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. I'm wondering, so you've had the opportunity to work with students in, in the Windy City of Chicago. Um, so what kind of takeaways or feedback have you gotten from the students um, who have participated in in the program? That's a great question. So there are so many takeaways I've seen students have after participating in the program pilots, and they weren't always the ones I expected. So initially, when I ran the program pilot in Chicago, I thought that the main takeaway students would have would be about the issues that we were working on. But the main takeaways that students shared with me were about the discussions they've had and the skills they were able to build. So one student shared that they were really focusing and their takeaway about how do you have constructive discussions that go beyond party lines about issues that affect all of us, but do it in a way that's in a safe and fun environment. And then another student's takeaway was about really understanding how people's and opinions and beliefs are shaped by experience. So you really have to understand people's experiences rather than just looking at their opinions as right or as wrong, depending on whether you agree with them or not. It's a, I think it's, there's a lesson in there for all of us, right? Like to, you know, that people's beliefs come from, come from experiences and, um, and so thinking about that um, as adults, as well as, you know, beginning those lessons um, when you're a young person. I also appreciate, um, I think that when we talk about service learning and YouthQuake um, is a service learning program, um, that we're creating that safe um, 
environment for young people so that they can tackle these really important issues um, and and learn and connect in a safe way and a fun way, right? Like it's engaging. So um, that's wonderful. I'm curious. So um, I talked a little bit at the opening of the show about the name Youthquake and kind of the definition, but what inspired you um, with the name Youthquake? How did, where did that come from? Yes. So it actually also came from the definition that you were mentioning. So when I was creating this program in 2017-2018, I saw on a social media post that Oxford Dictionary's Word of the Year was Youthquake, which, as you mentioned, is this really big cultural, political, or social change that comes about because of the actions of young people. And I named the organization Youthquake with this vision in mind. I really wanted to build a program that would enable and empower young people to create this lasting change in their communities that would be representative of a Youthquake. And it's also really important to me that the program is by students and it's for students, which is reflected by youth being in the program and the organization's name. Awesome. It is, it is a great word and a great name for this program, I think. Um, like when I think about the fact that I, our political um, system might need to be shaken up a little bit so that we can start to work together um, in a meaningful way. So that idea of youth being the ones to shake it up, I just love that. So there's the there's that connection to the contribution and the moral development. and But there's also the idea of young people kind of shaking it up and, and saying, come on, adults you know, let's work together. So I appreciate that. What's it been like for you to lead this organization? Um, what have, what kind of people have you gotten help from recruitment, recruited to help you or um, kind of what has, what does this look like for you? Yeah, so from the beginning of Youthquake, I really have never been working on this alone. So I've been leading this Youthquake by coordinating different pieces of it, um, drafting the curriculum, and reaching out to organizations, but have always really felt a part of this big civics and education ecosystem that I'm really thankful to lean on. So, for example, with the program pilot, I got advice from my advisor from the Davis Projects for Peace Foundation. I also work with educators and schools in Chicago to recruit students and to help me build out the program with similar partisan bridging organizations to lead workshops, policy organizations, and then also working with local politicians to be guest speakers for the program and so forth. And then moving forward from the program pilot, I also recruited a lot of help by working with social studies teachers to build out lesson plans. I've had conversations with so many civics organizations, uh, both in Chicago and across the U.S., for advice on my program. That's awesome. So um, what did you get any feedback from the political leaders who participated? Yes, um, I remember. So for the program pilot, we had one of the aldermen in Chicago come and speak with the students and was part of that panel that they were presenting to. And the alderman was really shaken and really surprised, not in the negative way, but very much in a yeah. feeling encouraged by the power of young people and how hard they're working on these issues that they care about. That's uh, it's always um, it's always a powerful experience, I think, for adults who don't um, who aren't connecting with young people the way that that you are, the way that the National Youth Leadership Council and so many other youth um, organizations, you know, we know what young people are capable of, right? Like we get it. But it is when you see the adults who don't, and 
you know, it's just the role that they have. They're not connecting with youth, not that they shouldn't be, but they, you know, they're not. Um, so to see them have that spark of like, oh, 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 <laughs> it's, um, it's a fun, I always enjoy watching kind of the light bulb um, turn on for them. So um, it's great that that they had that experience as part of um, Youthquake as well. Um, we do have to take another quick break, um, but when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with the Youthquake founder, Russian Shah. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. We'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual Spring National Service Learning Conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Again, Reshna, thanks for being here with me today. You know, before the break, um, you were sharing what it's been like to lead Youthquake and all the help you receive from social studies teachers, civic organizations, political um, leaders. What did it feel like for you um, to tackle such an important issue? Were you ever worried that maybe this wouldn't get off the ground, that you wouldn't be able to make the impact that you were hoping to make? 
Yes. So it definitely feels really empowering to tackle such an important issue. But as you mentioned, the weight of the issue and its magnitude can sometimes feel so large that I don't think I'm making a difference or I feel as though the program isn't going in the direction or the impact that we're hoping to make. And when I feel this, which is sometimes often, I do try to take a step back and really focus on the impact I'm trying to make with smaller steps. So I'm starting with a group of students in Chicago, and I'm hoping that Youthquake and its curriculum will really expand in the future nationally. But at this point in time, my goal is to make an impact on the students that I'm working with and to have the students make an impact on their community and so forth. And doing that really makes it feel like a much more achievable goal and a better way to tackle this large systemic issue. Um, additionally, I feel as though to tackle this issue, I've really relied on community partners and engagement because this is a really important issue, but it's something that I definitely can't do alone. So, for example, when I was running the pilot program for community engagement, we worked with a few policy organizations in Chicago who worked on issues like gun violence and responsibility. And they've really worked on, on these issues for so many years and being able to bring their voices into the conversations and to students' policy ma making negotiations was really able to make students' presentations that more, much more powerful. And there's definitely room here for bringing more community voice in, like bring, building stakeholder interviews and primary research earlier into the programming or having conversations with policymakers rather than only presenting to them at the end of the program. But definitely feels as though to tackle this important issue, we need to work with as many people and as many perspectives as possible. Well, and that's kind of the whole idea, right? Bring people from with different backgrounds, different perspectives and viewpoints together, right? So that that makes sense for the program. Um, you know, you've talked a couple of times um, about the student projects. I'm wondering what could you share? Do you have an example of like what one of the projects looked like? Yes. So for the program pilot, we had a group of students and one of the groups was looking at gun violence and responsibility in Chicago. And the way that their, their um, idea worked is that they came to focus on this issue of gun violence and they started to do their own secondary research. We worked and brought in a gun policy organization to speak with the students to have them really ask a lot of questions about what the landscape looked like in Chicago. And then they started to brainstorm different policy solutions and really understand which solutions could be feasibly and practically implemented in the next few years. And then from there, they came to this end policy proposal of working on background checks um, for gun ownership. So that was the end policy proposal that they were able to come up with from this issue. Thank you for sharing that. I think, um, you know, a lot of time, um, especially in the service learning field, you know, we think about um, direct service. So, um, you know, working side by side, you know, in the community doing direct service. But there's also advocacy is a form of service. So um, thinking about how, what are policy solutions? How are we working with our elected officials to make um, real change in policies that have far-reaching impacts. So thank you for sharing that. And um, kind of on the same vein um, as like what you felt like um, tackling this issue, what was the most challenging part of starting YouthQuake? Um, was there any surprises along the way? 
Yes, so there were definitely some challenges and surprises along the way. Uh, I think one of them was really establishing the clarity and the goal of Youthquake at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So when I started, there were so many other organizations that I felt like were in the space. And I really wanted and needed to focus on the unique niche that Youthquake is facing and how I can elevate this in the curriculum. So when I started and I was first building out that program pilot, I was thinking about including information that talked about national policymaking and state policymaking. But in having conversations with students and with teachers, I really learned that it's important not to repeat and remake the wheel. So having instruction materials on how national policymaking works is really important to students, but it's already in the curriculum that they're receiving yeah. in their classes. So focusing on the unique elements like local policymaking and negotiations is something that I really wanted to elevate but was initially difficult to start up um, as a lot of this information didn't exist I guess in a very traditional lesson plan format. So I really had to adapt and think about as a student what I would want to learn and what I wanted students to take away and then to build materials and lesson plans out accordingly. So definitely um, surprised by how difficult it is to build lesson plans and have a lot of respect for teachers who create lesson plans for their classes. Yep. Well, yes, huge. I mean, our teachers are rock stars and um, we need to celebrate them in more ways than we do. That's for sure, because, yeah, creating lesson plans is definitely not an easy thing. Um, I'm wondering if you would be willing to just kind of share what does a lesson plan for locally policy, like local policymaking and negotiating? Like, are there a couple of key elements you'd be willing to share with us? Yes. So for local policymaking and then for negotiations, I think a few of the key um, elements to that, for example, for the uh, policymaking is to really understand first starting with what the existing policy options are. So there are different databases that students can go to to see what bills have been proposed, uh, what things are on the table in Chicago and in Illinois politics. So starting from there, organizing these ideas into liberal, conservative, and centrist buckets, and then also thinking about what is good about these ideas, what students don't like about these ideas, to build them out further, to also add their own ideas that they're thinking about, and then to go through these negotiations where, uh, for example, a negotiation can look like lots of different things, but one type of deliberation is having each student in the group take on one of these proposals and pretending as though they're presenting it to a local legislator and presenting it to each other, uh, getting feedback on these ideas, and then really building something from there that incorporates parts of multiple policy proposals to create something that's more bipartisan and representative of different views. So the students are gaining a lot of skills um, from the investigation that they're doing around these issues and, you know, the presenting and um, just the organizing and all of the, the skills that they're getting because they're participating in Youthquake. What skills have you learned along the way? I mean, you're a college student um, when you started this. And again, congratulations on graduation this weekend. Um, can, what impact has this had on you? Thank you. Um, so Youthquake has had a really huge impact on me, both personally and professionally. Uh, it's really made me realize the importance of focusing on the strengths that I have rather than only my weaknesses in youth activism. I feel that a lot of times it can feel kind of disempowering to compare yourself to other people, but it's really important to focus on what strengths and what interests you bring to the table when you're working to build out a program. 
I think another thing that Keith Creek has taught me is really the importance in the skills in planning and taking small steps. So uh, I came into this program pilot with these really grand visions of what Youth Creek would look like, but realizing that you can't really scale immediately and it's better to also to start small and to build from there to make sure that you have a stable foundation for the programs you're building for the students that you're working with and then adapt it to other communities. And then another skill that I learned along the way was really building my confidence. So the confidence to reach out to organizations to get their feedback, to explore partnerships, and really recognizing the value in the work that I'm doing rather um, than having a non-confident attitude about it. <laughs> I think every person who leads an organization can um, is with you on that. So <laughs> that's um, thank you for sharing that. What's been your What's been your favorite part about leading Youthquake? Yeah, so so many amazing parts, but my favorite parts are definitely the discussions with students. So uh, to give example, we had a group of students in the programs pilot that I mentioned that focused on gun violence and responsibility as the issue they were interested in tackling. And I think coming into discussion, it might be easy to stereotype students based on their political leanings, but really through discussion, it really emphasized and underscored how like political leanings are not black and white. So mm -hmm. our perspectives on guns more broadly differed about what the role should be for things like the Second Amendment, but we all had fears about things in common like school shootings. So really underscoring that even though we might have all of these differences on a broader level, we also do share a lot of the common. So I helped students to negotiate on what they had in common and by the programs and they were able to present this bipartisan plan to aldermen, which was really amazing to see come together and how it started just from discussions and really having these discussions in a very structured and empathetic way. Did anything happen with the students' proposals? Um, what, were, was any of it used in, in policy that you're aware of? That would be really amazing. I don't believe that it was. I believe that the program pile, when I initially run it, we didn't focus too much in the curriculum about following the policy proposals through once they were created. But that's definitely something that we're working on and building out for the longer curriculums for the program. I think, I mean... Honestly, if the program inspires our elected officials um, to hear student voice, right, to um, to have youth councils that share out on issues. I know um, Minnesota has a youth council where elected officials can hear directly from young people about the issues that they care about and what their thoughts are on policy. Um, this sounds like an amazing training ground for young people to engage in that level of of policy making. Um, yeah, because it's in our curriculum to talk about the process, but it's not when you read it, right? It's not as real as when you engage in it in a in a authentic way, like you've created through Youthquake, which um, I think is why it's such an impactful program because your hands-on learning, you're engaging in something that's important to you, like gun violence. I mean, we know the statistics in Chicago and in so many other places around the country. Um, so it's exciting to, to see, um, it would be exciting to see where this leads long-term and what kind of change um, it creates in our, in our political system and in, the view, and in the mindsets of our elected leaders, so. Um, thanks for sharing that, Rashna. We do have to take one last quick break. 
And then when we come back, we're going to hear some final reflections. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. And remember, you can follow the show on social media at NYLCORG or find us at NYLC.org. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual Spring National Service Learning Conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, in our final minutes together, I would love to hear, Rashna. Um, so you've already established this amazing organization. Um, but are there future plans for YouthQuake um, that you're excited to share? Yes, definitely. I'm really excited about the future of YouthQuake as I believe the curriculum and the programming has a lot of areas for growth. And specifically, I can share a few directions we're hoping to expand in. So first, more tactically, we're really building out our team. So we're looking to onboard high school students, college students, and recent graduates who are passionate about our mission in promoting youth empowerment through civics education. And we're building out our team in a few different areas. So first, in partnerships. So in helping us partner with educators, school districts, and community-based organizations, as well as youth organizations with similar missions to collaborate on curriculums, events, conferences, and more. We're also looking to build out our team in curriculum. So building out our curriculum, aligning it to more state standards, and adapting the curriculum to the needs of each partner. And then also in social media and make your own rules too. 
And then second, we're looking to bring Youthquake to classrooms at the middle and high school level. So on the middle school level, for example, Illinois has recently required middle school students to take a civics class. So we're looking to partner with middle school teachers in Illinois this year to pilot our program with them. And then third, we're partnering with community organizations to incorporate parts of our modules into their programming, like running workshops on having con difficult conversations on political issues. And we're always definitely looking for future areas of growth. So those are just a few that we're prioritizing right now. So just going back to the beginning of the show, I'm pretty sure that you said you were doing consulting management. <laughs> it sounds like, I mean, there's a lot of great plans for, for Youthquake and it's exciting and amazing. Um, I hope that you're able to balance it all. <laughs> oh, yes, no, grad, you, have, you must have a ton of energy. <laughs> no, but I'm definitely not doing this alone. I have a team that I'm working with, so I will be able to make sure that I'll be able to focus on my work um, and do that full time, but also have Youthquake go forward and not really fall off the tracks. Well, and I have to say, I mean, I'm a huge fan, and I think the need, if we haven't stressed that enough, the need in this country for programs like Youthquake. Um, I'm a strong believer um, in building that on-ramp, right? Like, so thinking about the skills that we develop in young people right now um, and the leadership that they can take on right now, but it also fully prepares them for that transition to adulthood and that, that engagement in civic life. And your program does that so beautifully, and it is so necessary. Um, so it's exciting to hear about all the great plans that you have in place um, and the team that you've built um, around you to make that happen. Um, so you've tackled a lot, um, you know, graduating college, creating Youthquake, amazing plans for the future. What advice do you have for other young people who are hoping to make a difference in their own communities or have a, have a spark of an idea that they think um, can make a real impact? What advice would you give to them? Yeah, so I have a few pieces of advice, but this is really just advice that I've gotten and felt was really helpful to me and that I want to pass along. So first, uh, don't let people tell you that your age is a limiting factor, that you need to wait until you're in high school or wait until you're in college or wait until that you're a real adult, whatever that means, to make a difference in your community. Your voice really matters no matter how old you are, and you have an important perspective to bring to the table on issues that you're passionate about. You're not only a leader of tomorrow, but you can also, and you are, a leader of today. Um, second, I would say that you don't have to do this alone. So whether it's with a team or mentorship, community is really important. It's I found it really valuable to find people that you can go to for advice. So people who will be your cheerleaders, but also people who will give you constructive criticism on your ideas and help them. You help you build them out to be practical, um, impactful, and sustainable. So there's the saying that two heads are better than one, but five heads or ten heads are also better than one. And there's so much that you can learn from people who have worked on a similar issue or people who are involved in activism and avoid making mistakes that they've made, and then also learn their best practices for making impact. 
And then third, I would also recommend that it's really important to put yourself first and take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You really care about the issue that you're working on, and that's so important. But a lot of times, it's easy to get burnt out. You might feel as though you need to get this done immediately or run a program pilot, for example, in a short timeline. But your work is really a marathon, not a sprint. And it's important to be persistent and to work hard, but also to balance this with all of your studies and things that you're doing and to take care of yourself, too. Self-care is so important, especially in um, nonprofit work and um, the work of changing the world, right? It is a it is a marathon, not a sprint. That is very well said, very well said. Um, Rashna, I just want to thank you for joining me today, for sharing this great work with our listeners. If people want to learn more about YouthQuake, where can they find you? Thank you so much for having me. Um, so to learn more about YouthQuake, you can go on our website, which is youthquake.me, youthquake.me. And we also have an Instagram handle, which is the letter C and then the word YouthQuake. That's awesome. Again, thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, I just want to say, like, when we utilize service learning as a strategy to engage young people, we need to also engage them in programs like YouthQuake. It helps set the stage for the authentic engagement, for sharing um, and tackling these tough issues, and for how to engage um, civically in our democracy. Um, so again, thank you for the hard work that you've done to create this remarkable program, and thank you for being on the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me and for all the work that you're doing in service learning and youth voice as well. Thank you. So um, if you have questions about the show or um, you forget the website for YouthQuake or you have questions for Reshna or any of our guests, you can um, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at nylc.org. And again, I want to thank our listeners for being here with us today. If you missed the start of today's show or you'd like to access prior shows, visit our homepage on Voice America Empowerment Radio. Or again, download the podcast from iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. Next Thursday, I'm so excited. We are going to have a great discussion with the students and staff of the Peace Jam Foundation. So Peace Jam, um, they have a partnership with Nobel Peace Prize laureates, and they're committed to supporting young people and creating change for a more sustainable, just, and peaceful world. Um, they've been an amazing partner of NYLCs for a number of years. We're going to have a great conversation. I cannot wait to dig into the work that they're doing. It is so inspiring. Um, so join me at 6 o'clock 6 o'clock Eastern next Thursday um, to hear even more inspiring stories. And of course, remember, if you're an innovative young person and you've been listening to the show and you're making change, or you're an adult who's passionate about service learning and engaging young people as change makers, contact me at info at nylc.org. We just might invite you to join us on the show and share your story. So until next week, we hope that you will join us as we serve, learn, change the world. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Power of Young People to Change the World. 
Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.